Welcome to Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today on the show, Tom Cruise is back on the big screen at the age of 54, and he's fighting the good fight against an ancient mummy who's as mad as hell, and she's not going to take it anymore. And I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill, and straight from Tom Cruise's mouth, we will pair with a wine from one of their set locations, toasting the mummy with a classic Bordeaux. And last weekend, we celebrated the 13th anniversary of my baby, Dallas Uncorked, sipping some incredible wines from winemaker Julian Fayard. We'll share a few stories on the night later in the show, but first, I, Gary, let's talk about the mummy. I didn't realize that Tom Cruise is 54. He does look good. He does look good, doesn't he? Yes. He hasn't, he has not any taller. No. But he, that, that's fine. His hair's a little higher. He's, I think it's a wig. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. The higher the hair, the closer to heaven for Tom Cruise or to Scientologists. I don't know, whatever. But well, yes. so this mummy movie comes along. It's directed by Alex Kurtzman. It's a, it's a, how do I say this? Universal is trying to do what, Universal Pictures is trying to do what Marvel's been doing for years and what Disney is doing now. So they're going back into their archives. They're rebooting all these old monster movies because that's, well, those are the movies I grew up on. (laughs) And those are the. But Universal made them all and they have the rights. So they own the rights to Frankenstein and they own the rights to Dracula and Bride of Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon and Phantom of the Opera. So are you saying we're going to have all of these? (laughs) Please tell me we aren't going to have all these. Actually, the director just made this quote the other day. I read, he says, you know, we're going to do Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, which is the one being made right now. Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Phantom of the Opera, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and The Invisible Man, says director Alex Kurtzman. Oh my gosh. So it's a whole new franchise. So are you excited about this or terrified? (laughs) um, Well, the bar is incredibly low because The Mummy is a 25-minute film and a 110-minute time frame, and that should tell you a lot. (laughs) It's dumb as a box of rocks. In fact, the stupidity level of the film is so high that it, you just you have to fight it constantly because every once in a while something looks really cool and and there and it's, it's right a, you were you were kind of looking forward to this oh, because, because it had a good trailer I which think the trailer shows looked, you the the power of the trailer <laughs> will sell trailers. a lot of tickets but I think people are going to be mostly disappointed in it you know critics really dislike this movies and movies aren't necessarily made for critics mm-hmm. so but I mean is it a popcorn maybe can you at least have fun with it Yeah I think you can have fun with it when it comes on cable uh there's parts of it I just I'm bored to tears with whenever yeah. they talk and mm-hmm. talk and talk about stuff <laughs> But the mummy's so interesting there's actual dialogue you Well the mummy's there her name that. is Sophia Butella and and so it's a convoluted story you know it, it begins way back in ancient times and something happens and so they entomb her as a mummy and of course she gets woken up later by Tom Cruise and his buddy because they work for the military and they're in Iran and but they're stealing relics so they're they're trying to work for the military but what they do is they go into these you know heritage locations and they find relics that they can sell the gold. so he's a bad guy he's like a he's like a loop and he's really stupid he's a dumb guy but he's Tom Cruise and of course they and then they get attacked by, you know, the army and the bad guys. And he calls in a strike and it blows up this big hole and there's the tomb they've been looking for. Oh. And so they awaken the princess. And at some point you meet Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe makes no sense in this movie. He's not in it very much. But he's Dr. Jekyll. Okay. So, and he's got some weird, he's got to keep injecting himself uh, with this weird stuff in his hand to keep him from becoming Mr. Hyde. Oh, my God. And none of this makes any sense. But and see, that, they're probably trying to tie into their next 
<laughs> their next movie. Well, I, I always doing, like I like the trailer because Jekyll the girl Hyde. had all this Egyptian writing. It's from the mm-hmm. Book of the Dead, Egyptian Book of the Dead. So it all means something. I I can't read it. You know, I can. But uh, she was in uh, Kingsman Secret Service, and she was in Star Trek Beyond. But Annabelle Wallace is the other girl, mm-hmm. and she's the blonde that's kind of um, an adventure. She's kind of female Indiana Jones, and she's with Tom Cruise all the way. Mm-hmm. And they have this little flirtation thing going on. But she looks, she looks exactly like Ivanka Trump, <laughs> and I could, I couldn't. <laughs> It drove me crazy. I could see that, yes. Because I, th- so then the film got really funny, you know. And then Courtney B. Vance. But I don't think it's intended to be funny. It's not. Of that. And also, the, they they have a bunch of jokes like Arnold Schwarzenegger were throwing away in a movie. And, and Tom Cruise is not a comedian. He's no, not he's funny. Not. No, he's not. And he throws away all these jokes that are not funny. And and then there's a great sequence. So I'm I'm going to tell you about the great sequence because they shot this film all over the world. Well, and I mostly think this, in England. The sequence is what we can actually find our pairing with. So yes, tell yes. us about this great. sequence. So it's a really good sequence, and it's about ten fifteen minutes long. But he's he's in a plane. They've got the mummy in the tomb in this plane. Of course, uh, all the forces in nature are following the plane, and these birds attack the plane. The plane starts to go down. It loses its wings. The mummy comes flying out. And it's a plane crash sequence, and he puts, uh, and they shot it in zero gravity, which they call the vomit comet, and they shot it over, you know, over in Bordeaux, mm-hmm. and we're watching a television show, and Tom Cruise is on talking about how they recreated this right. flight sequence in, in Bordeaux, of in a vomit places. comet, and so they're actually up there weightless for about eight to ten seconds at a time, doing these sequences, and and I mean it's really interesting, and I think they shot. Uh, you know, like they said, uh, that part in there, but they, they shot a lot of the desert scenes in Namibia. In South Africa. In South Africa, which is one of the least populated countries of the world. There's only 2.1 million people in all of Namibia, mm-hmm. which I find, it's one, it's, I find that fascinating. But when Tom said Bordeaux. Score. Score. <laughs> because we've got an utterly, we've got a really dumb, not a very good film. <laughs> And the the bar the franchise bar is so low. Yes, I'll look forward to the Bride of Frankenstein, but if this is the bar and Universal, I think it's in trouble. We'll see what it does this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if Wonder Woman actually outpaces this film. Well, I hope so because Wonder Woman's pretty fantastic. Wonder Woman's a really good movie, especially compared to subpar Mummy. <laughs> and the Mummy could have been really could have been great. Yes. It could have been Mission Impossible because those are good films. Right? Uh, it's not directed like that. it's. It's horribly, horribly, pardon the pun, written. Well, I hope everybody made some money on it. Well, but you get to go to Bordeaux if you watch that sequence. So, um, yeah. we have seen a few interviews with Tom Cruise, and he does talk about this sequence that that Gary just described, which makes um, pairing it with, <laughs> with the mummy much easier. Um, because we could have gone, you know, there were a couple different ways we could go, but why not go to the middle of Bordeaux? Yes. Um, a... 2,000-year-old wine region, you're going to have history, you're going to have maybe some ghostly hauntings, which, you know, I know the mummy isn't necessarily a ghost, but it's kind of interesting to think along those lines. It wants to be the walking dead, and it's not. It's a zombie-esque It's very zombie-esque. <laughs> yes. So, in um, the middle of Bordeaux, Chateau du Tulane um, is a family-run estate owned right now by five sisters, thinking of a female reference with the mummy. Because wow, okay. she's a, yes, it's a female mummy. Um 
fifth generation established by the Cruz family. Seriously? Again. This <laughs> is the perfect parent. Just, Wait, the Cruz, um, C-R-U-S-E? Yes, not the, not the C-R-U-I-S-E. As Seriously, Tom, the, Cruz it's the Cruz family? The Cruz family, yes. Um, property was acquired in 1896 by Henry Cruz um, in the middle of the Medoc. Uh, it's uh, 13th, it dates its history back to the 13th century, um, has some unique underground uh, cellars that are mm-hmm. now part of the the national uh, French National Heritage Site. Um, the the chateau is protected by a spirit named La Dame Blanche. Seriously, that is actually what their white wine is also named after. So this white wine is our actual pairing, La Dame Blanche. La Dame Blanche, um, she haunts the surrounding woods and vineyards. Uh, the legend has it that she was a Moorish or an Arab princess from the 7th century. This See, makes me so it's happy. A, it's such a good pairing. Um, and that she was named Blanca and fell in love with Christian Knight. And her, funish, her father punished her by imprisoning her in a fort um, that would later take her name um, Blanchefort. Uh, so it's just, I thought it was kind of a, and this is like dating back to, to 730s, to the wow, year 732. it's a spirit called La Dame Blanche. Yes. The white wine is named after yes. her. And, yes, and Chateau du Tulane. And it was founded by Henry Cruz. <laughs> and it's a Tom <laughs> Cruise movie, and they shoot and that they sequence. And they shoot the film in Bordeaux. That so, sequence. Check. Over, so there's been over a dozen uh, mummy movies. Um, and I don't think there's a dozen vineyards named after Cruz, but uh, <laughs> Abbott and Costello, when I was a kid, the Abbott and Costello in the moment. Did movie. you love that? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, and that goes way back into the 50s. Uh, remember Brendan Fraser did the, those mummy movies with uh, Rachel yeah, Weiss or I think somebody? I them. One of them, <laughs> one of those girls. Uh, and I kind of, those are like late 90s, yeah. early 2000s. I thought they were kind of fun. Okay. Uh, they're much better than this one. Technically, this one has some What's scarier stuff. What's the budget stuff. on this? This one? Big. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be close to a hundred million. Yeah, it's close to a hundred million. Uh, it's it's not it's not quite the budget of Wonder Woman and those other big films. But I mean, you can't There's do some, a, you can't do a Tom Cruise action movie less than probably around a hundred. But I go back to the old Boris Karloff original, which was nine. I want to say early thirties, and Boris, that scared the daylights out yeah. of me. And Boris Karloff uh, walked around in normal clothes. He was the mummy, but he took all his 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 like mummy his shroud off <laughs> and wore like a tunic and he was creepy yeah and that was it, I, when I was a little kid man that mummy stuff that creeped me out the old Dracula stuff yeah. the old mummy stuff the old Frankenstein Bride of Frankenstein that was good that, that Nostafari Nostafari Nostafaru no, how am I supposed to say Nosferatu that? thank you Nosferatu thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, so I'm 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 really curious to see what happens to the movie this weekend. It's a very disappointing film, and once again, I'm going to refer to my interview with Russell Crowe, uh, who plays Doctor Jekyll in this movie. But I interviewed him many times over the years, and when I interviewed him for Gladiator, and he won the Oscar for that film and that won Best Picture, I sat across from him with a straight face and said, "At any point during the making of this movie, did you order a Caesar salad?" <laughs> And he looked at me and in about a second and a half caught on and went, no. And laughed. <laughs> laughed okay. Because <laughs> he was so ridiculously serious. That's the way that works. When we come back on Cogill Wine and Film a Perfect Pairing, this Saturday is National Rosé Day. And we love a chilled rosé. I'm 
admit, I'm a guy and I'm a big fan. And Haley's beloved child, other than her dog Yoda, is her nonprofit called Dallas Uncorked. It's its 13th anniversary. We had a spectacular sold out wine dinner. We're going to chat about the night, about Rose, about the organization, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film of Perfect Pairing as we celebrate 13 years of Dallas Uncorked. It's a nonprofit founded by Haley that gives back to the community while celebrating what's in the bottle all the time. Haley, what was the reason for creating Dallas Uncorked 13 years ago? Thank you. I, it, when and and last weekend was pretty special just because this is super this is my 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 little child um, that that is older than Yoda just barely but um, you know when I started Dallas and Cork there wasn't really uh, an organiz- there wasn't an opportunity to to taste wine as I saw it in a a non judgmental way that that wasn't also like a singles gathering. <laughs> you know, I wanted to I this wanted is before to before a lot of wine bars. There there weren't all the the great wine bars we have in Dallas um weren't open. Even some of the great wine shops weren't as maybe fleshed out as they as they are now. Um you had to kind of go into to your local wine shop or local liquor store and hope that their selection was good and then hope that somebody was going to be there that was both knowledgeable and then not kind of talk down to you as I, yeah. you know, there, that used to be a big problem, I think, in, in, in the wine community and the Psalm community as a whole, that, that there was this kind of, let me show you how much knowledge I have to make you feel stupid, <laughs> which is something that I've always, um, it, I've always had a big problem with and, and really detest because at the end of the day, you should always just drink what you like. But I um, wanted to create something that, that would be educational. We are a not for profit, um, because we're educational, but then also give back to our community and to, to various charities throughout, throughout the entire world as, as last weekend's dinner did, uh, benefiting the stew pot as well as charitywater.org. Um, and and it's just you know I love it that it's educational and that was always kind of my goal to to find the wine that maybe wasn't always on the radar. So we have done a lot of maybe um, mainstream varieties as far as we've done several dinners with with great Pinot Noir producers or great Chardonnay producers or Cabernet as we did last weekend producers, but maybe not the the region that you would hmm. typically know about or maybe the winemaker that that you've heard of, like last weekend's dinner with Julian Fayard, who who has been around the wine industry for for some time. He is French um, and but has worked in Napa since 2006, um, but has kind of is still kind of a rising star. He consults for several different wineries as well as his own, including Azure and Covert, which are his and the and wines that we've talked about before on the show. And he's such, I mean, I just adore him. He looks like he's like he's 20 and he's, I think, just barely 40, but he's accomplished so much. He's three kids. He's built a winery, and 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 he and his wife Elon have have really developed a an incredible. Uh, they're they're telling their story through their wines as well as just a business consulting business with the various producers he works with, like Cultivar and Caspar and Perlu, which is from Coombsville. I've been a, a fan of their wines for quite some time. A lot of these winemakers will make their own wine, like he does, and then they'll. 
they'll consult or or what do I want to say? They'll they'll partake in helping other people, other people. make their wines exactly, and maybe eight or nine or ten exactly. And I think because Julian's that's a lot uh, of work, it, it, very much so. And and Julian's start um, actually in Napa was I think he had worked at a few places, but then joined and and really grew his career working with Philippe Melka, who mm-hmm. is another um, one of our favorites that we've we've discussed many times. I just adore Philippe and love that that they kind of um, that Julian kind of worked with him. And and with that kind of guidance, just because that's exactly what Philippe does, you know, he has his brand Melka, but then yeah. is also the winemaker for Brand and Lale and Vineyard Twenty Nine and Donna and and you know these really um, yeah, that's rock star yeah stuff. really great great wines from from Napa and and it was. So again, just having an opportunity to to kind of showcase these wines in a very I don't want to call it casual because I don't want to I don't want to like there's. It is very comfortable, but I but it's also really special. I think sometimes, like I say, the word casual, and you think you're going to be like in flip flops and, yeah. and a t shirt. Yeah. Um, I loved how beautiful we did our dinner at, at Sue's the other the it's other just night. Beautiful and and it's and it's intimate because you filled up the entire restaurant, but that restaurant's not huge, right? So you get forty five people in that room, and it's pretty packed. Well, and that was what was also kind of fun. You know, sometimes we, I, I in thirteen years of doing events, sometimes we're just trying to fill the seats, and there was such a there were like we were turning. I, I felt bad because we had a, a long wait list and turning folks away that that had wanted to join us, and I'm sorry that that we couldn't have more because yeah. that space is so small and so intimate and so so personal. But I also really loved how how intimate the the night was. And just seeing so many of our friends and and so many loyal members, you know, we've we've been doing events for 13 years and and bringing our our Dallas and Cork membership together through these various uh, dinner events and long tables with the winemakers to it has just been such a kind of a special oh, yeah. opportunity. So when you got up and talked to the group, I got very you, emotional. Got very teary. Uh, I was just uh, yes. <laughs> but that, that's because it means so much to you. I mean, I, I I've been around you. I'm married to you. I've seen I've seen you cry before. Yes, um, often CBS Sunday morning. CBS Sunday, we both cry. <laughs> uh, but watching you, I, I think that's why I love these dinners. Listen, I'm a homer. We're married, and I I think, but I think the da- dinners that you do with Dallas Uncorked are about as special as anything in the Metroplex or in Dallas Fort Worth area. I I love it. Do you have a, do you have a, a, a past dinner that like jumps out at you? Um, you've done so many. And I remember when you started, they were almost like passed around hors d'oeuvres. I did it. We did a lot and more. People stood with high tops and kind of yes. tasted around the room. When we started, we were definitely much more of like a walk-around tasting opportunity because I could have more people. And so I thought, you know, let's let's try to appeal to the masses. And we mm-hmm. did. We would have very large events um, with with kind of a tasting and light appetizers passed. And and I love now that we that we have morphed into more doing a long table dinner because I think one you get people that are actually really interested in in learning about the wine or understanding mm-hmm. the wine instead of just coming for a it's a little more structured for too. a cocktail fest which that plus was a very pa- big problem plus you're pairing really well and, and you the, can control the whole environment right well and I think that that's another big part is that it is as much about the food and the pairing and and the story of why those you know wine is yeah. meant wine is a food wine is meant to be enjoyed with food and so to be able to have you know our great chefs that we've worked with in the past including you know Gilbert Garza with Sue's and, and Sevy and Jim Severson at Savvy's and fantastic Abraham Saloom and Janice Provost. Janice with Provost. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've done some some really beautiful dinners over the years that 
that I think have been really special. You know, some of my favorites, though, we've we've done many events with Chef Andrew Ormsby, who yep. is, you know, one of our dearest friends and kind of the reason that we're, we're together. And I, I think that there was, uh, there was an early asado, which was an Argentine barbecue event. It was supposed to be outside and it poured down rain. And so we had to move it inside and it was just so much fun and the wines were so good. Yes. And then we did another asado because it was such a big hit. And he was just, just roasting that big old leg of, leg of beef. You did a, a South African bry. We did a South African bry that when In I came backyard. back from, from South Africa and had really really incredible South African wines that benefited the zoo, which was a really special... And you had a South African guide there. We did. Yeah, we did. Well, well, and then we did so many for, for June, for our buddy June Jones, June Jones. and mm-hmm. his, and the June Jones Foundation that were always so special. And to have you and, and June be able to, to talk about the SMU upcoming SMU football season mm-hmm. and, and just kind of all the backstories just because of your long relationship with him. There've been there've been a lot of really special ones. Do, do you have a favorite one? I I, I think that those uh, you know the asado and the and the bry were yeah. were both um were both really special and and again just because we we have been friends with with Andrew for so long and doing them but every dinner we do with with Saloom I'm also yeah. I just I I feel really special I think the the best part though is is to see some of our our members that have or some of their participants that have been with us for such a long time and, and really do kind of support, have supported us for such a long time yep. and, and just kind of believe in, in what we're doing and, and the charities that we, that we support and then being able to, to grow that to, to new friends. I know and water is really important to you. It's very important. And I think that there's, so I'm probably going to get emotional again. I think that there's such a, I believe so much in water charities because I think that water is is something that we take advantage of. I think the whole historical reference between wine and water, because back in the day you couldn't drink the water because it was contaminated, so people drank wine instead. There's a there's a very obvious tie in there. But I think that that right now, if you if you give a village the the opportunity to have clean water it will transform the lives of the people there and often more often than not it will transform the lives of the women and the the young girls because the women are the ones that are sent out to walk miles and miles and miles a day and carry water back. to to gather the water and bring it back and so their entire life is basically sent spent gathering water. And so if you if you bring water to a village and you give these girls clean water, then all of a sudden they have an opportunity to go to school instead of go out and gather water. Right. And their entire lives can be changed. And, I, I, and the health aspects of the having health, healthy yes. water in your village, everything to do with it's childbirth. A, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. And it's, it's, and, it's and that's just it. Yeah. It's something that we that we take so much advantage of. I say that as I'm drinking my bottled water right now. I We, we take advantage of of water so much especially in this country and so it's it's there are so many great water charities out there you know you could follow matt damon and and just do water.org and buy a stella because you know yeah. <laughs> drink a stella artois I think what they and, do is great. and and support water.org there's so many great ones out there um i i like charity water just because when you make a donation to charity water your donation goes to help a project they they kind of have all their back office expenses taken care of which is something that i've always loved and so. they earmark it for a well yeah yeah it's good stuff it's it's really special hey can i can i, I want to bring up the first so the first the opener the other night at at your anniversary dinner was this beautiful light rosé 
uh, and it almost had no color. Yeah, it yeah. was the lightest looking rosé, and I'm I like that really light color do, anyway. Yes. But that was absolutely delicious. There was such a uh, it was a Julian's wine azure. Um, from Napa, but made in a very A Z U R A Z U R, yeah, in a very um province province proven provencal style, mm-hmm. very much like like the wines of Provence. That um with the kind of classic Rhone varieties that go into to those wines of Provence, like Cinso and Syrah and Grenache. I'm not sure if he has any move in that, but um left on the skins for a hint of time, a just to, to give that. Barely, you know, little barely hint of, of pink color, but it still had, I think this is the nice thing. And again, I think that he is such a talented young winemaker to have such a, a scant touch of color. There was so much, there was so much to that wine. Mm-hmm. There was so much texture and flavor and richness. And you got these like lovely kind of tangerine and orange blossom and white flower and, and nectarine kind of stone fruit notes, and then just that little bit of, of herbaceousness that you kind of expect from a, a classic wine from Provence, but this one from Napa. It, it really, really special, which, as as you said, is perfect timing with with Saturday being National Rosé Saturday Day. Is national. Can we drink some Saturday? <laughs> I think and, we will. And today and tomorrow? <laughs> I think we will. So you have, you have a few favorites. I know Domaine Ott is yes, one of your favorites. From, from Provence. That's yeah. one that when I did my trip to Provence several years ago was um, one of our last stops, and right on the Mediter- right on the Mediterranean Sea, so beautiful. Just and 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 their presentation is also really beautiful. Their wine bottle looks like a perfume bottle, yeah. and and it's a it's beautiful. It's a special special wine, great history. When we were out at Passport to Dry Creek, we had the Quivera. Um, Rosé that I just found, I just thought was beautiful. Stoller, just beautiful. Stoller has always been one of our Stoller's favorites up in from, Oregon. from Willamette Valley. Yes. Just, I think it's like ripe watermelon and ruby red grapefruit juice mm-hmm. and, and Azores. Um, and then one of my favorite sparklers is always Domaine Carneros. You know, I've always loved their, their fruit rosé. That one does have a little bit of Chardonnay in it and with it, but I think that actually just adds a little bit of kind of toasted brioche and, and, and nutty notes with that classic kind of Pinot Noir, kind of the ruby red grapefruit and, and the juicy red berry and wild strawberry kind of, kind of flavors. Really, really special wines. They're really affordable, too. Mm-hmm. I, I think rosé is just affordable. And some are. You know, Domain Ott's about 50 bucks a bottle, but okay, that's which high for though. a rosé, yeah. some people wouldn't, would say is high. But I think it's a wine that, I, like, I I completely love it, and I think that mm. it's, if any chance I could possibly have to to drink it would be pleasurable, and I it, I think it's amazing. One little bang for your buck, though, because we had okay. it um, when I was working with Joanne at Stocks and Bondi. Paul Moss from the Languedoc has a liter-size coat Moss um, rosé that is just like a perfect picnic wine. I want to say it was like 10 or 12 bucks, and... And sold in a in a liter. A lot of the Languedoc rosés are actually sold in in a little bit know. larger size, mm-hmm. just because you know. And in in France, they would just have that as a bag and box, or as wow. a you know as a a, a larger um, 
box wine kind of product because it's perfect you know it's perfect, perfect. picnic wine and the this the the stereotype of box wine in in Europe is much different than the stereotype of box wine in America so you can get really really good boxed wines in Europe if you, you introduce me to a box wine uh, in Paris while we're at Luxembourg Gardens, I, I would drink it. Well, and we probably I think twice we probably it. did because we drank many little carafes of did. of rosé at every cafe that we stopped in throughout the entire city. So we were probably drinking lovely bag and box wine without even thinking about. It. Okay, here's my. Uh, I just want to say something to you. What was your favorite dinner? Oh, my favorite dinner. Wait, what, I, I think the, the South Dallas African Court. bride because, and I love the photos from that. Yeah. But I'm going to say that you've you've never of all your in the, in the years I've known you and the and these dinners because you'll you do multiple ones during the year. Never had a bad one. Thank never had favorite. bad food. Always had great wine. Sometimes, I mean, every once in a while, we'd sit down to wine and everybody's drinking about five hundred dollars worth of wine. Yeah. But the ticket price for the event was. A fifth of that, yeah, yeah or yeah. 110, and sometimes under 100. And I, I just, I, I've always felt that all of them were personal and interesting and, and really great. I don't think we've ever had a bad experience. And I think everybody walks away from those going, I want to come back to the next one and make sure. Because you don't feel like you're herded in. You don't feel like you're at a wine dinner that you've been to a million times. Right. You always feel like you're at something special. And uh, and everyone pretty much trusts you that the wines being poured are really interesting. A lot of them are wines they don't know, right? You know, and and and, and then to have the winemaker there yeah. at a dinner for forty five people flying in from California. Well, let's just say he flew in from France just to be there. <laughs> Is it, but, well, he did yeah. fly in. You know, Napa auction was was last weekend, yeah. and so he literally. Um, had a very, very successful auction. Very excited to hear how how well his lots did. But then yeah. got on a plane to to be yeah. with us and then flew out the next day. So it was really, really special that Jillian deal. was here. I really appreciate that. So my thing to you is I want to say just because we're married and we've, we've been together and we, we do the show together. Um, your your dinners are awesome. And I think the the money donated, which is now into the thousands uh, over these years, is just, I, I think, changes the community, does really great Thank things. You. So just from me to you as I'm looking you in the eye right now, Thank you. Thank you. To Dallas and Cork for all of that. Uh, I've learned so much about wine through you, but I learn it also through Dallas and Cork at your dinners. So Thank you, baby. I appreciate, I appreciate it. that. Next week on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, uh, Disney Pixar is back with another animated adventure, uh, The Voice of Owen Wilson. And we like Owen. He's so great. <laughs> He's coming out in a movie he likes called wine. Cars 3. Haley, you know a lot about wine. <laughs> Also, Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live, whom we think is very funny, teams up with Scarlett Johansson for A Rough Night on the Town. (laughs) For more on the wines and film we chatted about today, please follow our blog on cogillconsulting.com or through Facebook. For more movie tips, follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.